0: It is your Wednesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad you guys are all back for another day. Good show coming up. Phil Miller covers the twins for the Star Tribune. Will join me here in just a few minutes to talk about spring training, some uh some stuff down from Fort Myers. He's been down there for a few days, just the the what it looks like down there. He had not been there obviously since the hurricane five months ago and has a good report for anybody who's planning to go down there for you know some of the priests you know spring training games later this spring and kind of what to expect when you go down there we definitely talked some baseball too a lot of players already showing up for twins camp um, even though it does not officially start um, for another couple days now you got uh, pitchers and catchers reporting today um, on the field tomorrow and the position players a few days from now but good stuff from phil hope you enjoy that I've um, got a wild thought at the end of the show. Not a wild thought, but a thought about the Minnesota Wild. It's not that crazy. Um, I was going to watch your adjectives with uh, with with the local teams first. Though, what did I miss? Um, <clears throat> kind of a little different today. I've got three thoughts, um, three things that piqued my curiosity. None of them necessarily completely connected, but I wanted to hit all three in a little bit of a rapid style fashion. First. Saw that Todd McShay from ESPN put out his first post-Super Bowl mock draft. It's definitely mock draft season as we head towards free agency and the draft in the NFL. And, you know, all these things subject to change. Free agency comes first, and that can change what happens in the draft, what team's draft needs are, things like that. But it was interesting to me to see that down at number 23, McShay has Jordan Addison, a wide receiver from USC, going to the Vikings his reasoning being a good one saying Adam, Adam Thielen's entering his age 33 season. Minnesota could take the best player available here and get a speedy, instinctive running mate for Justin Jefferson. Addison had almost a thousand yards last year, eight touchdowns. He had transferred from Pitt where he had a huge year in 2021. Um, He's saying, why would, for those wondering why the Vikings would sidestep their defensive needs after, you know, allowing the third most yards per play last season, he said, it comes down to the board and who is the best player available. And to me, this wouldn't be a reach even if um, even if it wasn't for the board. I thought the Vikings missed last year by not adding another skill position player high in the draft. I thought they, you know, it it, nece- it wasn't necessarily a bad idea to try to load up on defense with you know Lewis, seen Andrew Booth Jr., um, you know other guys that they picked fairly high, Brian Osamoa, things like that. But I d- I did think that they were a playmaker short going into last year that that we were already starting to see some of <clears throat> you know Thielen. Slowing down a little bit, still an effective player, but slowing down a little bit. He's got a big contract, big number. So, you know, want to move on uh, at some point from from that. And I just felt like there were wide receivers available last year that they could have taken. that could have helped them in 2022. Now, still had a good offense last year. Justin Jefferson still flourished, but put someone else next to him that is a true bona fide wide receiver playmaker, which they just don't really have right now tj hawkinson helped a ton in the second half of the year but they could really use someone who could take some of the pressure off of justin jefferson i don't know who exactly that is maybe it's jordan addison maybe that's you know someone they they look at but i don't think it's a bad idea for them to be thinking offense in the first round especially if that is the best player available second thing i took note of um Derek carr getting, getting released by the raiders um, that, tr- you know, triggers probably a quarterback carousel here a little bit. The the Raiders have been linked to various names, including a quarterback from a NFC North rival who shall remain nameless lest I become accused again of being overly infatuated with him. But <clears throat> interesting that that comes in tandem with that aforementioned NFC veteran quarterback, uh, going on a, a prominent podcast radio show on Tuesday and saying, um, A couple of interesting things. First thing, 18 years, man, Green Bay is always going to be home. A little bit of a reflective mood, maybe one that makes you think that it is time for him to move on. He also ripped Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport saying they're really good at their jobs. When it comes to me, they don't know bleep. Little little unhappy ahead of his uh uh ahead of his darkness. <clears throat> so we'll see how that all plays out. But that was interesting to me as well. Interesting developments in the potential quarterback carousel this offseason. Third thing, uh different kind of football um on the pitch. Minnesota United sounding more and more like they are preparing to play without Emmanuel Reynoso. Um Adrian Heath addressing reporters on Tuesday talking about Reynoso, who hasn't been in camp. It's been over a month. He got suspended on Friday by the league without pay. And Heath said this, Obviously, it's a distraction we could have done without. I'd be lying if I said it didn't concern me and that I'm not disappointed. I can't change the situation. You don't lose one of the best players in the league without it playing on your mind. But the bottom line is we have a game in a couple of weeks, and we have to make sure we're mentally and physically prepared for that game. So... Interesting how the dynamic and how the language has changed from hoping he's coming here soon, we're getting optimistic, to now kind of being at this impasse where they have no idea what's going to happen next and they've got to prepare for a future potentially without Emmanuel Reynoso for an undefined amount of time and maybe forever depending on how this all plays out so that was interesting to me that the tone shift and now the loons get basically preparing 10 days from the the season opener for life without Emmanuel Reynosa which will not be easy take a playcation to Mystic Lake with 24-7 gaming the good times never have to end and you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms those that play together stay together And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, let's bring in Phil Miller right now, covers the Twins for the Star Tribune and is in Fort Myers already for spring training. It doesn't officially start uh, for a couple more days, Phil, as of our talk right now, but um, a lot of players there already. I mean, before you jumped on and before we started recording, you basically said it might as well be the start of camp because a lot of people are there already and getting in some informal workouts. Uh, is that correct?
1: Yeah. And in fact, uh, Derek Falvey told me yesterday it's the most early arrivals he's ever seen since uh, he's been here. Um we we were talking about that. I think uh the fact that they have Twins Fest uh fairly close to the start of camp and get all the players together in Minneapolis I I think kinda of motivates them all to uh well let's get going. Let's get down here and uh yeah, so uh there are a few notable uh absences. Um Carlos Correa, you know, his wife is due in uh three weeks or so, so he's not here yet, but uh and Byron Buxton uh is always uh he works out Extensively in the Atlanta area, and he doesn't usually come down until reporting day. But uh, boy, uh, I was I was surprised at the number of uh, players that are already in camp. It, uh the workouts, I, I think they were just planning to just do come on in and play catch, and you know we we'll, we can throw batting practice too. But they've been pretty official looking though optional workouts uh, the last couple of days and complete with fans coming to uh, t- coming to watch.
0: And, you know, before we get into roster building, what we want to look for in spring training, things like that, um, one thing that struck me before we started recording again is just what Fort Myers looks like right now, what, you know, just you've been down there for countless you know, spring trainings, and, you know, it's been a little odd these last few years. Last year was, you know, labor stoppage, didn't start camp until March. The two years before that certainly impacted by COVID in a big way. This year, a quote-unquote normal camp from that regard, but um, not normal at all in Fort Myers after the hurricane five months ago. Give me kind of a lay, lay, give me a lay of the land as you've kind of observed and walked around a little bit so far down there.
1: Yeah, the hurricane was in September, and I, you know, it was it was severe, and uh, you know there were more than a hundred people killed, and uh, you heard about all the uh, damage and destruction, but. I, you know, I'm just a Minnesotan who doesn't have much hurricane experience. I uh, assume that you know there might be a few signs of the hurricane down here, but I'm here to tell you the the there are signs of uh, of that hurricane everywhere. This is going to take years to uh, recover from. Um, there, well, I said there are signs everywhere. Actually, there are no signs in a lot of places. <laughs> it seemed like every restaurant, every fast food place, every pharmacy, every store that had a, a big sign out, uh, you know, with a, a big panel and neon lights behind it. Those are all blown away. Uh, everyone has, th- there's damage uh, everywhere you uh, drive around. There are uh, a lot of places to put up tarps, uh, temporary, because, you know, there's only so many workers to come and uh, fix some of that stuff. And I went down, I drove down to Fort Myers Beach, uh, where uh, the, not only had the hurricane, but the storm surge, uh, the 15 feet of water uh, coming inland, uh, from the, uh, from the Gulf. And uh, it is, uh, well, I've never been to a war zone, but I imagine this is what it's like. It is blocks and blocks and blocks of abandoned gutted, uh, houses that, uh, that, that were underwater for a a day or two and, uh, and will have to be completely torn down and rebuilt. And that's, uh, uh, I was, uh, I was just flabbergasted by the, uh, amount of, of destruction down there and how many places that, uh, we're used to seeing every year. You're right. I've been down here year after year and there are a lot of places that are just gone or in some spots, the shells of the buildings are still there, but, uh, uh there's a, there's a large pile of, uh, of broken ships, uh, in one, uh, wow uh, in one place that is, uh, that, that is it, it's breathtaking if, uh, um, if not for how sad it is, uh, how much destruction there is. There is debris even back here, away from the beach at the ballpark. There is piles of debris everywhere that have not yet been uh, hauled away. Uh, uh, I I really feel for the people of South Florida here. I, <coughs> excuse me, you hear how bad uh, hurricanes are how much destruction was done. <laughs> Sorry. But um, to see it in uh, in real life, uh, it is uh, it has uh, really changed the city and I think uh, will probably uh, change it for good. I think uh, a lot of people are ready to sell and uh, and get out of Hurricane's path.
0: Wow. Interesting. It's got to be kind of jarring for ballplayers too. I mean, obviously this is something that happened to people in Florida not Twins players, but mm-hmm. if they ha- if they haven't been there since September, which I imagine most of them, why would they have been unless they're doing some workouts in you know off seasons you know, at their facility? Um, I don't know if you've talked to any players about just the, the scene yet or people who've been there for several years, but I got to imagine it's it's kind of jarring for a player too.
1: Oh yeah, and, and you know the, 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 about ten years ago there were a bunch of twins who had uh, homes down here who uh, had long term contracts and uh, and just bought houses here. Uh, you know the uh, fifteen years ago now the housing, uh, crisis, the, the collapse, of uh, uh, property was really cheap down here and a lot of players bought. So there aren't that many twins who have, um, places in Fort Myers, but there are a few. And, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see, uh, how much, uh, how much damage they absorb even around the ballpark. Um, the twins said they, you know, the, the ballpark, the facility is owned by Lee County. Um, and so under their contract, the, they need to, uh, the county needs to come and and do the repair work, but the twins, um, put off asking the county to come and do that because, you know, they had a lot bigger priorities. Um, but now a lot of the work is being done now that the, uh, camp is about to open and, uh, you know, uh, there were windows blown out and water damage in all of the, uh, office spaces. Uh, they're re drywalling, uh, the offices behind the press box up here, the, um, there were, uh, trees, palm trees knocked down all over everywhere. Uh, the backstops on some of the auxiliary fields were blown away The the, uh, eye, uh batter's eye in the center field was knocked down. Um, wow. The, uh, there, all of that is being, uh, it, it's almost done now. I would say that they are, uh, um, they're going to be ready for a, a normal camp, but, uh, but even around here, there's a lot of construction, a lot of fixing up from a storm that was uh, that was you know, almost five months ago now
0: well it seems a little trivial sometimes to transition from things like that to baseball talk but we'll do the best we can here um, the camp itself uh pitchers and catchers i believe are reporting on thursday and you have position players a little bit after that um some of the world baseball classic players are probably already there their mandatory reporting date was a little bit sooner correct
1: Yeah, um, and that's part of the reason why uh, uh, there are so many twins here. Uh, There are half a dozen twins on Team Puerto Rico, and uh, they are all uh, here starting to work out. Uh, Reporting day for pitches and catches is tomorrow. Uh, The first workout is Thursday. Uh, Position player's reporting day is Sunday, and the first workout is Monday. Reporting day always sounds like uh, this big official day, but actually it's just Players straggling in and signing their papers and putting stuff in their lockers and leaving. So, uh, but Thursday is uh, pitchers and catchers on the field. Really, along with what I said, three quarters of the position players, and then full squad starts uh, next Monday. And by uh, um, by, I think it's something like March seventh or so. Uh, a bunch of players will be leaving for their uh, WBC um, uh, camps, and the Dominican team will be here uh they are using some of the training facilities uh for the twins hmm. uh, to uh to prepare for the uh, tournament
0: now i want to get to a couple of interesting players that you know have been key contributors over the years here in a little bit i want to start that you wrote about um, randy dobnik um early on here in camp i think is interesting i mean for those who have forgotten randy dobnik started game two of a playoff series mm-hmm. in Yankee Stadium in 2019 for a team that won more than 100 games and set a major league record for home runs in a season. And it's been kind of a nightmare for him since then. I guess the the 2020 season, the, the COVID year, he was, he was okay. He pitched pretty well. Since then, though, it's been just finger problems and all this stuff. Seems like kind of the forgotten man trying to kind of recapture, you know, kind of, the magic that he had the you know whatever was working for him a lot of good control the sinker things like that where is he in that process right now
1: yeah people forget that he uh i don't think he led the team in starts in the pandemic year but he had i know he had double digits so uh, he was uh he felt like he had established himself and the twins felt like he had established himself he came to camp in 2021 and had a great camp and uh and made the rotation and uh then his, then his middle finger on his pitching hand started bothering him, and it got worse and worse, and he pitched worse and worse. Uh, and finally, it was, uh, it was just painful. Finally, a, a ligament in his finger ruptured, uh, and he could, he could no longer pitch. Um, he spent the whole 2021 season trying to rehab from that, came to camp last year thinking that he was good to go again. First day of camp the pain came back and he had ruptured another ligament in his finger. Uh, It's a rare injury that uh, the twins don't think is uh, something that uh, hereditary or something that uh, particularly the way he pitches maybe causes. But uh, it is, is, I mean, he has been the forgotten man. Uh, You know, I I said, uh, you've kind of fallen off the face of the earth here. And he said, I still exist. Tell everybody I still exist. Um, whether or not he can, uh, recover his career, I guess we'll find out. He is confident. He's, uh, he's excited to be back. He knows that he'll start the season in St. Paul almost certainly, but he feels like if he can, uh, if, if the finger problems are in the past, he can, uh, uh, make it back to the major leagues. And that, that's certainly his goal this year. He's the same, same cheerful, funny guy who realizes, uh, who never expected to have a big league career, and and uh, now realizes you know realizes how lucky he, uh, he is. He'd never been hurt before. Oh
0: well, yeah, I mean this is a remarkable story, and we've told it before, but it's it's been a while. I mean, he's a guy who's pitching independent baseball, right? And then all of a sudden is discovered and and does you know had a one point five nine ERA in limited duty, but enough that it impressed the Twins to say, hey, let's give this guy you know with with our with, with what was going on in our rotation, let's give him a playoff start in twenty nineteen. 2020, like you said, 10 starts, 6 and 4, an ERA of about 4, um, still pretty effective. And then just the the, the problems in 2021, 1 and 7, 7.64 ERA, a guy that they were probably at that point counting on and maybe an unsung part of what went wrong in 2021. But yeah, if he's got anything close to what he was showing in 2019 and 2020, that would obviously be a boon for them, as a at least as depth um, kind of going forward.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone he's certainly not being counted on this year, uh, but right. uh and we were it's funny uh Rain and I were talking about the Twins gave him a, a an unusual uh contract a couple of years ago uh, like 8 million dollars over 5 or 6 years right. uh, a an unusual show of confidence uh in him and uh, we, he was saying, you know, uh, would I even be here if if you know they didn't have that money invested in me? because uh, it 's been two long years where he's been able to do next to nothing um certainly nothing for the big league team uh but he uh he would be if he could if he could bounce back if he could be anything like he was in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty uh that would that would be a uh a big addition uh, to the twins uh depth there they have a lot of options behind their starting five or six but uh you know there's no guarantees about uh, most of those guys are very inexperienced, there's no guarantees about uh, what any of them are going to do. They know Dobneck has it in them, uh, has, has it in there somewhere. Uh, Derek Falvey said, uh, you know, they've been watching, tracking the numbers, uh, the spin rates, and they have been trying to work with uh, his now heeled finger. They're trying to uh, make the his slider a little more uh, horizontal break on it to make it a better pitch, and uh, and we'll see. Um, it would uh, it would be a great story if he could come all the way back because uh, he's a you know he's well liked in the clubhouse uh, he's just an entertaining guy who uh, who everyone kind of roots for
0: former Uber driver that was the oft repeated fact in the 2019 mm-hmm. playoffs um, before I get to Max Kepler who we talked about before we started recording I think it was Lavelle or maybe it was you that I was talking to a couple weeks ago about the rotation and how it might shake out. And Bailey Ober is an interesting one for me. Do you think he winds up as a kind of bullpen piece this year? Or do you think he settles into the rotation somehow? What do, you, what do you think his role might be and how important is camp for him, do you think?
1: Well, I follow the twins. So uh, I expect that somebody will get hurt and Bailey Ober going to be in the rotation start. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's okay. The, Fair that's enough. That's the way it goes. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Bailey Ober was my, uh, I thought he was ready for a big breakout year last year, he was my pick to uh, to surprise everybody last year, and he got off to a start that looked like that might happen. But uh, then he had the injury problems that uh, struck the entire team. Um, I think his was a groin injury that uh, that limited him, uh, that cost him a couple of months in the middle of the season, and it was never quite the same. But I, you know, he is almost officially designated the sixth member of this rotation uh, of a five man rotation, but given the injury history of this group of five starters in particular, and just twins pitching in general, uh, I expect him to, I expect him to be in the rotation by opening day. Uh, And if not, uh, I would assume that uh, they will try to uh, keep him on the team to be ready. Um, You know, last year's experience where you know we started series after series where Rocco couldn't say for sure who the starting pitchers were right. in the series um and that experience i think is uh, will color a lot of uh, what goes on here but um Ober looks good says he's ready uh, i i uh, you know he knows what an opportunity he missed last year cuz if he had stayed healthy he could you know he could be as established as Joe Ryan right now um but uh, it didn't happen, and uh, I think he's determined to uh, not miss his chance again.
0: I think I referred to their rotation last year at one point as Ryan Gray and TBA. That was yeah. kind of that was kind of it, right? I mean, you, you, besides those two guys, and Gray was hurt a couple times too. And, like you didn't yeah. really know what you were getting.
1: Yeah, Gray got hurt down the down the stretch for a while. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, yeah. They used fourteen starting pitches last Ooh, year. It's a lot. Uh,
0: Did Sam DiDuno uh, get a start? I can't remember
1: yeah it was it felt a lot like that uh so um you know he's the, he's the sixth guy he kind of sort of lost his spot in the rotation when they traded for Pablo Lopez, but I don't think he comes into it thinking that gee, there's no room for me. uh I think he comes into it thinking i'm gonna be part of the rotation and uh and we'll see how that happens.
0: do you think final final thought do you think max kepler? comes into this thinking gee there's no spot for me kind of interesting offseason for him interesting kind of twenty twenty one, twenty two. 22 like since the 19 season it's been it that that was his that was his year and that was a lot of people's year the the baseball had something to do with that and max took advantage of that but it hasn't not been smooth since then still a very good outfielder still a very good right fielder where does max kepler fit into the equation here as we as we about to uh, as we're about to start camp
1: it is a weird offseason for him because he kind of dropped out of sight. He kind of, he kind of lost contact with the Twins. Uh, hmm. I think he probably heard uh, the rumors. He was he he had a lot of problems last year. Uh, he, he had a he had an OPS below seven. Uh, yeah, uh, you know it, he just could not find himself at the plate. Uh, I think he was fairly upset over it when he left, and so he the. Twins had a hard time contacting him. He didn't uh come to uh you know I think he was invited to be part of the un- uniform unveiling, the Twins invited him to Twins Fest. He didn't come to either one of them. So I think they were surprised when uh he was one of the very first people uh, to report to camp. I mean, he's been here more than a week now. Oh, wow, okay. Uh he and he told the Twins that he's been working hard all winter that uh that he he seems determined I think he probably expected to be traded. I right. think a lot of people expected him to be traded when it didn't happen. Um, he, he, we'll see, he comes to camp saying all the right things. I think, uh, you know, Derek Falvey sound impressed. Uh, they, he, he told us he's been, uh, been working all winter and he looked like it. Uh, it was, was what Derek uh, said. He's, um, so maybe it's a new, more determined Max Kepler. I mean, it's easy to say in the spring uh, and, and Max has had two pretty lousy years and, and, you know, even the pandemic year wasn't, uh, wasn't really up to the standards he had set. But, um, yeah, I, I, he's an interesting case. I don't think they're going to trade him now, but all of a sudden he's got to fight for his job, uh. They brought in Joey Gallo. Uh, they've still got uh, Trevor Larnach. Uh, you know, now they've added uh, Michael Taylor. There's, it's it. You're gonna have to earn that outfield spot. Uh, no major leaguer, no uh, active major leaguer has played more Twins games than Max Kepler. So it's it's strange how little you hear about him around here. But uh, um, he will be. Uh, I, I'm really interested to see if uh, if he has found a way to put the last couple of years behind him because it was, you could tell, it was really wearing on him uh, the la- at, the, at the end of the season last year.
0: Well, and they have made trades this deep in the offseason. It's not like they couldn't still move him if a deal presented itself or a team suddenly needed outfield depth. But you're right. hes It's the middle of February and he's still here. And it's not like he doesn't have value And with all the outfield injuries they had last season with Buxton's you know, perpetual uncertainty. It does not hurt to have outfield depth and certainly outfield depth that is good in the field as well. But yeah, just interestingly, I, I, it did, it did strike me when you told me that he's the, the got the most games of any active major leaguer as a twin. It does, it does feel like he's a little bit forgotten at this point. You're saying he's not like really on the signage or in any of the real kind of promotion of this team. And he has, he's been kind of a background figure, for a while, I guess he doesn't strike me as an outsized personality. Um, but maybe if his, if he's ready to play this year and has improved in that area, maybe that, uh, maybe that's how he makes his mark right now.
1: Yeah. I have noticed, I, uh, I took a picture of their, uh, display of, you know, come and see these players out there. They have six, uh, big posters and Max Kepler, who's the senior member of this team wasn't, uh, wasn't on them, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I, uh, tweeted it, and uh, I got some response that said, uh, well, you know, Max isn't good, so maybe that was why. And certainly, as the Twins try to whip up excitement over the new wave uh, of coming, uh, you know, a guy that didn't even hit 10 home runs last year probably doesn't uh, uh, capture much imagination, but this is a team that usually honors its veterans, and uh, it it to me, it's pretty telling that uh, Max has kind of uh, gone by the wayside here, but if he's if he's determined to change that, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if uh, if he has found a way.
0: And as a lefty who hits a lot of hard ground balls and line drives, he could be one of the ones in the league this year who benefits more from rule changes and shift changes than others, I would imagine, too.
1: Yeah, you. Uh, I think the Twins would rather he uh, benefit by hitting the ball in the air and deeper than... Uh, than you know, hitting more singles up the middle, but, uh, you know, they'll take what they can get. I, I think the extent that that is going to help him is a little exaggerated. Yeah. But Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the guy, uh, the guy didn't hit, uh, what did he hit? Like two twenty five last year. I think, yeah. uh, you know, any, anything will help, but, uh, you know, he, I know he didn't slug, uh, even 400. So, uh, that's more what they're looking for from an outfielder. And, uh, um, you know, God bless him if he gets a few more singles, but, uh, but Max, let's, uh, let's get some doubles and homers, I think is the twins thinking.
0: Yeah, I would think so too. Well, maybe we'll see some more of that as the spring goes on, Phil, you've got to go check out on a workout. So I'm going to let you go, but appreciate your time as always follow Phil's coverage from camp, Star tribune, StartTribune.com. and uh, Phil, we'll talk to you soon. I'm sure.
1: Mike, we've got an extra room in the uh, Tribune uh, Cottage. You're uh, welcome to come down.
0: Does it fit five people? (laughs) Just kidding.
1: (laughs) The kids will love it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Phil. All right, Mike. Good stuff from Phil, as usual. Um, Go check out his piece on Joan Duran as well. Joan Duran, um, you know, had a great season for uh, the Twins last year, looking to even build on that in the bullpen this year. He could be a big key for them as they uh, try to move forward and piece together you know, what was a much better second half of the year bullpen than the first half? We'll see if they're able to keep that going in 2023. Let's finish with the cooler with the wild play, the Avalanche tonight, defending Stanley Cup champs. Both teams, almost identical records this season. And I thought maybe um, Dean Everson would go with Philippe Gustafson for a third straight game. Gusipson playing really well in those two games, allowed one goal and two goals in regulation in those two, but uh, Marc-Andre Fleury gets the nod. Dean Evison still has that trust in Fleury, and Fleury's played relatively well this year in a lot of games, but interesting to me to see that decision made, see how that plays out for the Wild. The is starting to get asked about the lack of offense. Flurry said, we're aware maybe we're not scoring as much, but we all believe it's going to turn at some point. As goalies, I think we have enough to worry about. That's something we don't have to think too much about. Just let the players figure it out, try to keep the game close, and have a chance to get some points. Sure, it would be nice to see the Wild get their offense going at some point. Abs give them a chance to do that, so we'll see if they're able to do that tonight in a pretty important game that will have playoff implications as the year goes on. And that will do it for me today. Planning to have Dane Moore from the NBA Podcast, Dane Moore NBA Podcast on Thursday show to talk a little bit more in-depth about Mike Conley Jr. and what he brings to the Wolves. That's it for me today. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday and be back at it again tomorrow.